to be with you guys. Hey, I just want to recognize, I know it's final season, and so I honor you for choosing to make time for, not just for the Lord, but to make time for your church family, because you are incomplete when you're not here, and we're incomplete when you're not here, right? And so thanks for choosing to come and be with us tonight. Uh, that being said, anyone ready for summer? Come on, come on, hallelujah, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know about you guys, um, but usually summertime is a great time for a little getaway, a little vacation. Uh, and my family has this one spot in Colorado that we've gone to many times. It's a little spot called Pagosa Springs. It's a, uh, yeah, it, ooh, it's nice. Uh, and we have some dear family friends there that host us, and it's amazing. And almost every year we go, they take us out to this little lake, and they own this fishing boat. And we, like, go out on a lake and fish, and we have a great time. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to step into a fishing boat, but it's a dangerous business, <laughs> right? And so here's like this little dock, and I'm, I'm deciding that I want to get into the boat, so I'm trying to step into the boat. But as soon as my foot hits the boat, the, this little boat is on water, right? And so this becomes wobbly. This becomes dicey really quick, right? And that wobbliness brings some hesitation from me, right? Like I want to be on the boat because I want to go into the lake and fish. But I also like being on the dock because I like not being swimming in the water, right? And I'm, so I'm sort of like hedging my bets right now. Kind of got like one foot in each, you know, testing out. Uh, but as I'm hesitating, something awful begins to happen. And I think, you know, the foot that's in the boat begins to leave with the boat, right? And then here's this foot on the dock. And it just gets to a point where like I have been, I have been stretched beyond what I can stretch anymore. But like... The boat's too far away, the dock's too far away, there's only one way remaining, right? And it's just sploosh, right, in between the two of them. And it was humiliating. And if you've never seen this happen, please just Google stepping into a boat fail, and you will have a lot of fun <laughs> on the internet, right? We, we've all seen this happen, and what, what, what happened, right? What happened is when my foot encountered some uncertainty, my heart became uncommitted, right? When we encounter some uncertainty, it's tempting to not commit to one thing, but try to just like do whatever is going to keep you safe. And the ironic thing is if I had just committed, if I had just jumped in the boat, would have been great. Would have gone fishing, right? Instead of swimming, right? But because I tried to stay and go, I just fell into the water. And CA students, I think if we're all being honest, that sometimes describes our life with God more than we want it to, right? That God is calling for this complete commitment from us and there are times when we're just kind of trying to hedge our bets, right? That feels a little uncertain, and it makes me not want to give my full commitment. And I, I confess that I have moments like this, too. And so I'm excited tonight because we're, star we're starting a new series just called Elijah. Elijah, I dare you to guess what it's about, right? And we're going to be looking at five uh, kind of big moments in the life of this Old Testament prophet. And tonight, Elijah... Uh, the Word of God is going to talk to us about being committed and not just trying to stay safe in the middle, but to pick a side, right? And so we're going to read God's Word, uh, and I believe that when we read God's Word, God is with us, right? And so we're not just going to have an academic exercise, but we're going to encounter the one true God, amen? So let's pray and just ask that God would speak to us as we do that. Jesus, thank you for being here with us in this moment. Thank you that you are the God who sees us. You are the God who is with us. 
pray that you would, uh, as you always are, be true to your character, be true to that, and that you would speak to us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Elijah, right? He's an amazing prophet. So just want to give you guys a little bit of context. We're about to jump into the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. Uh, in the salvation timeline, right, this is when Israel is functioning as a kingdom, right? But after David was the king, the Sparknotes version is every king after him was just pretty lame, right? And increasingly lame, right? And so, it, and namely, the way they expressed their lameness was they departed more and more from worshiping the one true God, and they began worshiping other gods as well, right? And that led to all sorts of destruction in the kingdom. And what Elijah is stepping into, he's a prophet called by God to speak the words of God to specifically King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And they're just known as some of the worst uh, among all of the kings and queens of Israel's history, right? Specifically, Elijah is stepping into a lot of Israelites that have started worshiping this false god known, if you're a Hebrew nerd, it's Baal, right? But we're just going to go with Baal, just keep it simple, right? So Baal, right? And so there's this, there's this dividing line being drawn in Israel between Baal and between God that revealed himself to Moses, right? He gave his personal name, which is Yahweh, right? And so we're going to read this story right now, but I just want to, one cool trick, I don't know if you guys knew, but in your Bible, have you ever noticed sometimes it spells Lord with all capital letters? You've been like, why does it do that? It's because that's the personal name of God, Yahweh, right? And so whenever that comes, I'm just going to use the word, the name Yahweh, uh, and maybe it will help make a little bit more sense of that. Some little bit more immediate context is God has used Elijah to announce that a drought is coming on Israel. Awesome, right? And so immediately after that happens, God takes Elijah, miraculously provides for him. And then there's this beautiful story where Elijah um, is led to this widow, and the Lord uses Elijah to protect, provide, and care for this widow and her son. It's just this beautiful story of how God sees and cares about even the most vulnerable of his people. Amen? Amen, right? And so it's right after that that we pick up our story in chapter 18. And so let's start. Ahab, bad king, went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, troubler of Israel? Rude, right? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned Yahweh's commands and have followed the Baals. Now, now let's, this is what we're going to do. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on M Mount Carmel. You should be getting vibes of like, meet me at the flagpole, like after school. Like we're going to fight, right? And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab did that. He sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord, if Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people said nothing. I'm just going to be drawing out some truths that we can apply to our life as we go through this story. And here's the first one. You can choose to follow God or you can choose to follow something else, but you cannot do both. You can choose to follow God, or you can choose to follow something else, 
but you cannot do both. Scripture is not shy and is not quiet about this message, Old Testament through New Testament. Just to show you, just a couple of times Jesus mentions this. In the gospel, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. And in Revelation, Jesus is critiquing a church, and he says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, right? You can choose to follow God, or you can choose to follow something else, but you cannot do both. You cannot do both, CA students. That's not an option with Yahweh, with the one true God. And so you might be saying, like, okay, hold up. Follow Baal, Baal, right? Like, I'm not following anyone else besides God, right? And much less Baal. Elijah is talking about Baal, a false god, a literal idol, like little figurine that you like bow down to and worship, right? He was like a little goat, false god, right? Like I'm not doing that in my life right now, right? Unfortunately, idols are a lot more deceptive and sneaky in our lives. They don't always come in the forms of this little statue, right? Idols, an idol is something that we cannot live without. We must have it. An idol is anything more important to you than God is. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, life wouldn't feel like it's worth living. That's an idol. Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks security is controlled by security. The person who seeks acceptance or approval is controlled by the people they're trying to get acceptance and approval from, right? We do not control ourselves. That's a myth. That's an illusion. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives, and we do get to choose who will be Lord. CA students. And I just want to say, it's easy when we hear this story to put ourselves in the place of Elijah, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm faithful to God. Bring the fire. Oh, spoiler. But, like, <laughs> it's going there, right? But it's like, yeah, I'm faithful to God. All these people in my school, they don't know God, right? But I think it's most helpful and most accurate if we see ourselves as the bystanders of Israel watching this happen, sometimes limping between allegiances, limping between Yahweh and something else. We so, so easily put things on the same level of priority that God is in our lives. And I just want to say it's really easy to deceive ourselves when this happens. You see, in one direction, it's easy to think that like, oh, we're okay. You know, it's okay to be halfway in, halfway out. And we rationalize it, we justify it by saying like, oh, I prayed that prayer that one time to Jesus. And I mean like, look at me. I'm no all-star, but I'm not as bad as them right? And we say, it's fine. I'm good enough, right? Or in the other direction, it's not that we're trying to rationalize it, but we just completely don't realize that we're halfway in and we're halfway out. Thankfully, there is a way that we can know what we most highly value in our lives, and it's the way that we spend our time. Because see, students, the way you spend your time is the way you're spending your life. The way you spend your time is the way that you're spending your life. What are you spending your life on? Is it like, oh, I need to absolutely prioritize like my schoolwork and my sports and like, oh, didn't have time for church this week. Oh, like I need to, I, I need to 
message this one friend, I knew this and knew that. Ah, didn't get time to read my Bible and connect with God today. You see, students, it's easy to profess certain things, but even we can deceive ourselves. And we can be helped by honestly evaluating how am I spending my time? Is God getting the best of my time, of my energy, of my attention? And does he have a rival in my life? See, students, just as Elijah did to Israel, I just want to make the same call. Pick a side. Pick a side, right? Elijah literally says, like, it would be better if you were out rather than being half in, half out, <laughs> right? I want to keep going in the story, picking it up in verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of Yahweh's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Let's do this. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and cut it up into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it yet. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it yet. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, of Yahweh. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. That's a good plan. That's a good plan, right? And so here's just a little bit of context. Baal was allegedly a god of weather, right? So he had the power to bring rain. He had the power to bring lightning, a.k.a. fire from heaven, right? And so there's this competition. Like, oh, you think your god controls fire. I think my god controls fire. Let's see what happens, right? And whoever brings the fire is the true god, right? Elijah's calling him out. He's like, let's do this. Let's see who the one true God is. And so here, here's the second point I want to draw out of this. God is not one option among many. He's the only true God. And God really cares that people know that, <laughs> right? You see, see, students, hear me. It's not just wrong to serve things other than God. It will not work. It's not just wrong to serve things other than God. It won't work for you. Because those other things are not the only true God. They can't come through for you. They can't give what you need, what you're expecting. You see, God's command to choose him above all others is partially attributed to giving God the glory that he's due. Because he's God. Amen? But it's also to save you from wasting your life going after lesser things that will not satisfy you. Yes, it's about God's glory. It's also about your salvation. God is calling us to a single allegiance for his glory and for our salvation. Let's keep going in the story. It's getting exciting. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, trash talk, call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah's like, yo, your God's not bringing the fire, so I'll bring a sick burn. Right? Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. 
But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. See, students, here's the third point I want to draw out. Don't make excuses for false gods when they fail you. Don't make excuses for false gods when they fail you. Have you ever done that? I've done this, for sure, right? I have this thought that, like, man, if I just had this much money, or if I could just nail this scholarship, then I'll feel secure, right? If I could just get this GPA, then I'll feel accomplished. If I could just get into this college, then I'd be set for the future. If I could just get this guy or this girl, then I'll feel loved and satisfied. But what happens? We all know what happens. You, you get to that place, and then you realize, oh, actually, I, I, now that I'm here, just a little bit more money is actually what I need to feel secure. The false god failed you, and we make just a few excuses. If I just give my, a little bit more of myself, then he'll come through, right? If when you get that much money, you need a little bit more. When you get into that college, you realize, oh, a great college does not guarantee a great career. Suddenly, I don't feel quite as set as I was. When you get into a relationship with that guy or that girl, you realize they qu aren't quite Mr. or Miss Perfect that you thought they were, but you think maybe if I just stick with it, then I can fix them, right? And the temptation is to just keep pouring yourself in, just keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring, assuming that just putting a little bit more of your energy, a little bit more of your effort will finally get this God to give you what you've been needing and wanting. It's a little bit like the prophets of Baal, shouting and slashing themselves just so that Baal will notice. But there's no response, no one answering, and no one paying attention. Can we contrast that with the God who sees me? The God who sees me? See, students, it's not that your false God just needs a little bit more from you and then you'll get what you're wanting and needing from it. No, the truth is that a false God can never give you what you want and need because they are false. It will just continue to take and take and take. And we, can we take one hot second to compare and contrast that with the God, with Yahweh? You see, Romans 5 says that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. That yes, Christ is asking extreme and exclusive allegiance from us, but he gave that to us first. Do you see the different order? The false idol says, give, 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 and it will never reciprocate. Jesus says, I have already given my life to you. Will you commit yourself to me? See, students, there is only one that can give you the approval, the security, the comfort you're looking for. It's not your GPA. It's not your future college or career. It is not a significant other. It's not a championship, and it's not any number of likes on an online post. It is only Yahweh, who in the New Testament has been revealed as Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. Let's keep going in our story. Picking up in verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of Yahweh, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of Yahweh, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. I'll be honest, I don't know how much water that is. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. 
Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and the wood. Remember, we're playing a fire game. This is not a good strat, right? He says, pour it on the water and the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Yahweh. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Yahweh fell and burned up the sacrifice Burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. CA students, fourth point we're pulling out of this is doing things God's way will always work no matter what the forecast looks like. Doing things God's way will always work no matter what the forecast looks like. Can I tell you, God is not afraid to stack the deck against himself. God is not afraid to stack the deck against himself. I hope you realize, if you've been here any length of time, that God calls us to give up all sorts of things that culture says are necessary for happiness, right? Our culture's like drugs and alcohol. God's like, oh, actually, I'm calling you to sobriety, right? Culture's like, oh, sleeping around. God says, oh, actually, we preserve that for marriage here, right? Culture's like, selfishly hold on to money, make sure you have enough. God's like, oh, I'd like you to generously give that away, actually. Culture's like, it's, it's the best when you put someone in their place when they've wronged you. You get them back. And God says, oh, I'd actually, I'd like for you to pray for and love your enemies, right? Culture says, you just, sometimes you just need to comfort yourself with some food. And God's like, have you heard of fasting? You better come on, right? Why? Why would God stack the deck against himself like that? See, students, it's so that when he comes through, there is no confusion about what happened. You see, water was poured on the sacrifice, on the wood, on the stones. The fire didn't just burn up the sacrifice, which would have been awesome. Didn't just burn up the wood, which would have been cool. It burned up the stones, the soil, and the water. That's impossible outside of Yahweh. And that's what he's still doing in our lives. He's calling us to put aside some certain things that people say are necessary. He says, no, I'm necessary. And I will show you what true life is. Don't settle for these counterfeits. Don't settle for these other things that aren't going to satisfy and fulfill you. Trust me. Trust me, CA students. Why does God do this? It's so that when he comes through, there's no doubt that it was all him. It was all him. And he wants you to trust him when he asks you to do something crazy next time. Right? Let's finish this story. This is where most normal pastors end the story, but it's in the word of God. Let's read it all. 1 Kings 30, 18, 39 through 40. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Right? This is intense. This is real right? What do we take away from this? Fifth and finally, idolatry requires extreme repentance. 
Idolatry requires extreme repentance. There is only one faithful response to idolatry, to completely turn away from our old way of living. Have any of you guys ever tried to weed a garden or just get weeds out of your yard? Me and Taylor. Awesome. It's a, it's a tricky business, right? Because if you just go and just like grab and tear the weed, you'll, you're more likely to just tear the top half off. And then like you just look like, yeah, it's good. Just looks nice and flat, right? But you didn't get the root out. Guess what happens in like a day? It's back, right? Why? Because you may have gotten the surface to look good, but you didn't pull the root out. See, students, how many times have we repented like that? Where we've, we, we've done some surface level repenting. We've done a little individual prayer of confession between us and God. When we've been getting into trouble on our phones, we delete Snapchat, but then, you know, we still have access to the app store so we can just get it right back, right? How many times have we just, have I, have we just done surface level repentance and we've made it easy for ourselves to step back into our old ways? See, students, we need to repent in a way that makes it difficult, if not impossible, to turn back, right? I'm talking about confessing to people, like, like your life group leaders and your parents, right? And asking them to help you follow Jesus faithfully. I'm talking about locking down your phone so that when temptation to look at porn or something else wrong on your phone comes, you're not even able to, right? I'm talking about having a conversation with your coach that, hey, coach, I'm, I'm going to have to miss some practices, maybe even a game because I have this church and that's, that's my top priority in my life right? I'm talking about stop texting that guy or that girl. And tell your parents, tell your life group leader, tell your life group friends that you did that and that you want their help in keeping accountable to that decision that you made, right? See you, students. We're wrapping up in just a second. I bring this message not as someone who has lived this perfectly my whole life, right? I am a recovering limper, right? limping between two opinions. I have limped between God and other things. And probably the most consistent theme in my life is I've limped between God and other, people appro- other people's approval. I, I, I care more than I should what people think about me. I care more than I should about whether people think I'm impressive. I care more than I should whether the people think that I did a good job. And because I've cared too much about that, Sometimes I've been under their control to get their approval instead of under the control of Yahweh, following the good and gracious God. Let's see, students, can I say that I have also experienced the deliverance that comes when God saves me from my idols, right? I am satisfied and I am secure before I engage with people because I have been satisfied and made secure in the love of God, right? And so I share this story about Elijah, not because I'm a perfect example, but because I'm a perfect testimony. CA students, I'm not a perfect example of personal holiness, but I am a perfect testimony of God's grace and saving power that was more powerful than my rebellion, that was more powerful than my failure. And so CA students, if this has felt fiery, it's not my fault, it's the text I was assigned, but also It's because I care about you. 
Why am I being so direct and clear? It's because I don't want you to have idols in your life. It's not because I don't want you to have fun. It's because I don't want you to experience the destruction that idols bring. I just want you to be safe and secure in the love of Jesus. How are we going to apply this to our lives? I want to encourage you. You can choose to follow God or you can choose to follow something else, but you can't do both. So I want you to honestly evaluate if you're giving your time, your life, your primary allegiance to something in addition to or instead of God, right? God is not one option among many. He's the only true God. Don't treat God like an option for life improvement. He is the only option for true life, right? Don't make excuses for false gods when they fail you. (laughs) Decide that the way you're interacting with those things needs to change. Doing things God's way will always work no matter what the forecast looks like. So once you take a step of faith, I just want to encourage you, God is going to come through, and that's going to build your faith to take another step and a bigger step next time. So whatever it looks like, take a step of faith. Idolatry requires extreme repentance. Like Elijah said to Israel, I'm saying to you, Pick a side. Pick a side. And, I, and I'm begging you, pick Jesus. Pick Yahweh. Pick the one true God that will come through for you, that will sustain you. Right? I want to close with this verse from Psalm 86, verse 11. It says, teach me your way, Yahweh, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. You know what comforts me? God's a part of my heart becoming undivided, (laughs) right? It's not my own power that makes me good enough to do this, right? God is at work in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God sent Elijah to call the people of Israel back to himself. God's primary objective was to save And that's why he calls us to extreme and exclusive trust and allegiance to him. It's not only what's right, it's also the only thing that will save us. CA students, following other gods doesn't only dishonor God, it also destroys us. And God in his kindness and in his glory is calling us away from every idol to save us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your kindness to Tell us how it really is. God, I pray that um, as we go to life groups, you would help us to honestly evaluate our lives and honestly consider how we're going to apply this. Um, Yeah, God, I just pray for students that that you've you've brought something to mind (laughs) in their life as an idol. God, I I pray that they would hear your loving invitation, God that we would feel the realness of conviction, the realness of having done wrong, that we would feel excited about the invitation you're giving us to abundant life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.